they're mad and they're interesting and they're like what the hell june 23rd 2020 we haven't it's been over two weeks i think since we did the last recording and so i think it i just been pushing to get another log in because i think there's stuff that's happening mm-hmm. here and around the world that's worth yeah so right now in ontario our our yeah. r value is 0.86 nice and we're running about mm, a thousand new cases a week still um and most of ontario has entered into stage two mm-hmm. and we I- including in toronto? toronto as of tomorrow no, tomorrow yeah. Toronto and PL go tomorrow. In a matter of hours, people can get haircuts. Yeah, and waiting pools will be open. Yeah. Very exciting. So, yeah, that's where we are. The, um, the, the numbers as they're being reported right now, the thing that I feel headlines are focusing on, you know, looking back at this, it's like the daily new cases is the number that everyone's focusing on, which I think is, yeah, it's it's reasonable. The number of new cases that are being reported each day have been floating. At first, they were sort of excited when we started being under 300. And then when we started getting under 200, now it's like we had a stretch of some, I think it was like six or eight days that we were under 200, something like that. I think today we were just above 200. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's um, that's the new, new target sort of or line that people are looking at. Yeah. We're like the worst in Canada now, though. I think yeah. Quebec somehow got it more under control than we have. Oh, interesting. Which... Don't ask me how that happened. Well, it sounds like one of the the remaining, some of the biggest issues now in Ontario, like they're not, so every region in Ontario now is going to open tomorrow except for Windsor, Mm -hmm. where it seems like there's migrant farm workers. There's there's like like over 100 cases apparently within that community Mm -hmm. that is, it seems like it's not under control yet. Mm -hmm. And that's why they're not, that region is not being allowed to open. Right. And so it could be just largely, it could be something as simple as that, right? One region that's like still a little bit out of control. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, I'm just surprised that Quebec managed to not have that. Yeah, it's true. They leapfrogged. Like they, they were doing worse mm-hmm. and now they're doing better. Yeah, yeah. they're not doing a lot better. But, but BC, I was just looking at this chart, mm-hmm. just a plain old chart mm-hmm. that showed all the R values for the different provinces mm-hmm. and the number of cases right. that they had per week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's just Ontario and Quebec. Yeah. That's it. Where are the problems? Yeah. Um, a little bit in Alberta. But BC is down to like 80 cases a w- in a week mm-hmm. in the whole province. I mean, they're talking about, yeah, they have single digit cases per day sometimes. Yeah. yeah. It's amazing. It's encouraging in Ontario as well. I think there was the death numbers have come down a lot too. Like if you look at the, does it say here on the dashboard you're yeah. looking at? Mm-hmm. It's like in the single digits per day sometimes yeah, as well. Ten, ten today. today. Yeah, so that's good. And the testing still remains high. It well seems like they're doing like twenty, f- like somewhere over twenty thousand tests a day. Mm-hmm. So that's r- sti- like they seem to have managed to maintain a high testing rate. Mm. 
deaths, I read somewhere deaths are coming down because, no, the death rate is coming down mm. because the average age of people getting infected is going down. Mm. Like That's a lot. The median age of people getting infected now is like 30 something. Uh-huh. And at the beginning it was like, I don't know, it was seniors was the median age. So that's not necessary. So in terms of spread of this virus in the community, the death rate now is not. Yeah. So that could death come down, but it's it's more the number of new cases per day yeah. that's actually relevant. Yeah. Because like it's still, still like circulating. Cases, yeah. 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 And now that yeah, it used to be that we were. I think we'd said previously that the death rate is kind of a number that you can be more secure in, knowing that it's right. But no. 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 Not the death rate or not the rate sorry the number the, du- the, the death number of number. deaths yeah it, it is going to be reflective of the number of cases you have yeah and i just mean now it's it's not it, now that there's good testing like the number of cases can be trusted much better than i think before yes but we still don't have a wide surveillance testing so That's i right. think you still need a significant outbreak happening before you're gonna yeah. See it by people going to a testing facility. Yeah. So I, I don't think any everybody's just kind of expecting, I think, that we're gonna kind of float through the summer. Yeah. And nothing too bad is gonna happen. And then everybody's just kind of but what's gonna happen in, in the, the fall. fall. Yeah, I think the high, yeah, it definitely risk in the fall. But I mean, other countries are already starting to see a second wave starting. I think that's what people are calling it. Like Germany was doing really well. N- and then now they're, what did we say? The R number was 2.8 something, 2.9 something. So they're in there, 2.88. Uh, so they're... Um, there's definitely it's definitely not over even there and it's i don't th- and I don't what, know what happens if that happens like i just cannot fathom a second lockdown like people complying yeah I, you know it i think some people will do it out of self preservation like they, they self-preservation like they will mm-hmm. if they hear things are getting worse again they will want to protect their kids and their families and just stop right being out more so it might have mm-hmm. i don't know I, I, th- I think some i think a lot of people will do it out of fear or not i guess fear is the wrong word it's like out of just trying to yeah avoid contact we'll see anyways the thing i wanted to talk about mm-hmm. was the sick kids guidance document on school reopening oh yeah which i just sat down to read tonight so that I could talk about it, and I'm really depressed. Well, let's yeah. The background is that the the Stephen Lech Lechi, whatever his name is, Lechi, gave so just made some sort of <laughs> they threw out what sounded like kind of early thoughts on what schools might look like, or no, someone put out some early thoughts on what schooling might look like. Or was it this? Was that it was a report? That was this report, what schooling might look like. And then Stephen Lecce came out and basically just announced that that was the plan, right? No. That's Th- not isn't that kind of what happened? I mean, sort of. So, yeah. So, sick kids 
Um, I do. I don't think they were asked to do this. I think they just did it. They just put out COVID nineteen recommendations for school reopening. Uh-huh. Um. Basically saying it's really important for kids to go to school. Here are some things to consider that might mitigate the risk. Mm-hmm. Um, and we think kids should go to school. And the things they had for mitigating the risk was basically nothing. Like, th- they seem to be saying... There's not that much risk to children Mm -hmm. from COVID-19. There is definite risk to them not getting the social learning at school. Mm -hmm. So we just need to suck it up, wash your hands more, and go to school as usual. Is basically what the document said. Really? Wow. They don't recommend, like... They say several times, like, you know, try to physical distance, but don't alter the school day or the curriculum in any way to, like... Upset. To upset, you know, to try and, like, make... To try and, you know, mitigate these risks. Like, don't... Like, the school is important. And so there's a lot of problems with this document, but the, the very first problem is why did sick kids write this? What... (laughs) What <laughs> what place do they have starting this conversation? They're not educators. They say that right in the first. Mm-hmm. So, A, what do they know about schools and, and what can be done in them? And, you know. It sounds like they're speaking to the risk to the their population they serve, which is kids. So, they're, they're speaking to the narrow, like, what is the risk to kids from the two like education versus yeah. COVID, well, they did which a bad job of that too. but even that, but I can see that they can have a voice there, right? But like it makes two, sense. Yeah. They're not like, this does not appear to be authored. This was authored by pediatricians, okay. not infectious disease specialists or epidemiologists or, right. you know, yeah. people who sure know about this thing. So, <laughs> It's like, who's the ICU doctor at Michael Guerin? Michael Warner? The lead guy there? Yeah. 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 He tweeted, like, because of anchoring bias, like, this document is going to have way more influence than it should, right? Right. Because it's the first one out. Yes. So now everything is, like, has to travel from this one, Yes, yes. So... They, okay, so basically this document uses, um, has some unfounded and misleading statements in it, Mm -hmm. such as like kids don't, the, the transmission of (coughs) COVID-19 in kids wearing masks, like masks probably have no effect in kids. Because they're just bad at maintaining. Because they're just, yeah. They're touching their faces. There's no, everybody's like, wh- how, what? What's the point of putting where, masks No, kids? where did you, no, where did you get that information? Oh, where would they There's say? There's okay. no That's study. Not That's not a known thing. Oh, okay. It's yes. not known. I see. 
And the assumption would be that, yes, probably masks would work. <laughs> like, because <laughs> kids are so bad at just sneezing on their friends. Like, yeah. they would just, like, and at the least. The older the kids are, probably the more. Better. And you also could think that there would be a. Um, uh, what am I saying? Asymptote? No, like a spectrum. Oh, spe- not a spectrum. Distribution? Oh, man, I'm so bad at words. <laughs> like, so maybe they don't wear their masks 100% of the time or 100% sure. well, but some wearing is probably better than no wearing. Yeah, yeah. Right? Anyways, so they make that assumption based on nothing. Okay. And then they also make other assumptions based on, like, poor data, um, er, papers, reviews that don't make sense or were wrong. Um, and so they're saying things, they're trying to say that like kids are getting infected less, which is not true. They're driving, the evidence we have shows that they're driving the infection just as much as anybody. Yeah. They're clearly protected from the disease themselves, yeah. but they're, they're getting gonna infected and they're going to pass it on to yeah. everybody. And that's going to affect the whole community. Yeah. I mean, that's the obvious, like. Which ha- they don't. Like that to me is it's like I can see their voice on this from their the perspective of their c- kind of constituents or the population they serve. But you can't ignore the connection to that these children have to go home to their families yeah. so they where there's vulnerable people. That. Yeah, but that's crazy. Like that. Yeah. yeah, that is absolutely crazy. It was right. It was like near the end of the document where. And what did what was there? What did they say? Like, how do they ad- address that? Um, when they got to the end of the document, all their sections started with, like, uh, detailed recommendations are beyond the scope of this document. Yeah. Um, what did they say? Oh, I don't know. Maybe it it is not even a a heading in their document. Not really addressed. Yeah. I mean, that to me is, it's... Yeah, I see the risk of making this like an anchoring kind of thing. Like this whole, this paper says, this recommendation is basically, we're good. Go ahead. Yes. And then everyone else that's going to have varied levels of, you know, protection you know change to the system the way the system works they're saying don't mm-hmm. bother changing the system yeah. at all yeah. now everyone else is going to be like the pulled towards just are mad yeah they're mad and they're interesting and they're like what the hell mm-hmm. and why didn't you like it should be the people writing figuring this out it should be educators and epidemiologists should be like yeah the primary people trying to figure this out right i mean i think i think it's fair for them to have a voice like sick kids whoever sure, the pediatrician but like are. i mean they're like the like then you then you take that document to sick kids and be like what do, what you, do think you think of think? this yes yes right yes. like yeah, yeah anyways so david fisman was he had to delete some of his tweets because he was <laughs> so mad so mad but he said he said there's a ton of low-hanging fruit for schools. You can do bubbles or cohorts, right? Yes. And again, sick kids mention cohorts, and they're like, but don't disrupt the school day. Don't do anything differently. 
Like, like don't shift your hours. Don't try and yeah, don't try and don't do three shift days, anything. two days a week, three days a week. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think that's the most obvious thing to do. Like every other day, go to school or yeah. something like that. Lots of outdoor activities, hybrid in person and online. Yeah. Modified school weeks, and then he says masks. Bracket. Talk about an easy win. This document has none of that. It's astounding. Yeah. And the people who can figure this out are not pediatricians. They're educators who don't, as far yeah. as I can see, have a seat at this table. Yeah. It's like the same, the mask thing here is the same thing that, you know, the, the anti-mask voice that can't, like the argument that was out before, like masks don't work a hundred percent so mm -hmm. therefore it's not mm -hmm. worth using them but it's the same like obvious but yes even though it doesn't work a hundred percent it is yeah. better than not having a mask and the other thing they didn't mention they said teachers shouldn't wear masks because kids need to see their faces yeah they didn't mention shields Sh at face all face shields yeah yeah face shields are gonna actually offer the teachers protection yeah. to some degree yeah and the kids can see their faces not even mentioned yeah that's crazy and then um, someone named Dr. Zoe Hyde, who I don't know who she is, but also Ashley Chute, who um, works, who collaborates with Dr. Fisman. Mm -hmm. They both made the point of like, sick kids is kind of just throwing up their hands being like, well, we don't really know what's going to happen or whatever. So we just got to try this. And it's like, kids around the world are going to school in places and, and we can look at what other places are doing. Yeah. Like we don't have to start from square one. Yeah. And what about like phasing things in? Yeah. Like let's Try something open something in August. Mm -hmm. Open some classrooms in August. See what happens. Get some data. Well like I think out west they're trying some things like they're trying to have little test runs, yeah. right? So we'll so learn. We'll I think... Yeah, Ashley, she, she basically just saying like it's very um, unimaginative. Yeah. She said, what is so jarring about the report is the lack of nuance or acknowledgement of complexity in the recommendations. Yeah. And yeah, she just basically saying like we, we can do so much better <laughs> than like nothing than basically hand washing yeah. and having and and they basically have like um high risk kids like just sit at home right is basically what they Various said solutions. like make sure that they have home nursing provided and online learning opportunities like that's mm -hmm. they're just sticking them at home yeah so it was very disappointing. And s the Sick Kids brand is strong. Oh, yeah. People I love Sick Kids. Everyone. That's kind of a trigger for me. <laughs> it's like that I've just run into it at the hospital where they just, where individuals will just use it as a shield. Like, how dare you criticize what's happening here because we're Sick Kids. Mm -hmm. And what we do is the best is basically the attitude that I just, yeah, that rubs me the wrong way. Yeah. So yeah, that's, and, th and I think that's how a lot of people interpreted this. I saw a lot of 
non-epidemiologist be like, oh, sick kid says this. This is what's happening then. They're the experts. Mm. It's like, no, there are layers of experts on top of the people that wrote this report. Yeah. They aren't the experts. Yeah. Okay, that's off my chest. I'm depressed. This is why we don't do the podcast very much anymore because <laughs> I just can't. Can't it, we're just documenting. We're wade just do- through all of this. We're just do- you don't have. We don't have to go into that much detail if you don't want to. It's really just to That's me. That's the only way that I feel like it's worth talking about things. Sure. What was the other thing I said we never talked about, but we should talk about bef- just before we started? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, Sweden. There we go. Yes, thank you. Uh, Sweden. So I just wanted to uh, log a fact that we now have heard. So there was this, we talked about Sweden earlier, about how they had taken kind they of didn't the, shut down. the opposite approach to what most countries. Okay. I reject, listen, even though everybody has turned against Sweden, including Sweden itself, I still, <laughs> I still defend their <laughs> approach somewhat. Fine. <laughs> I'm just saying what they're right. saying now. Okay. So no, here's No, but what I'm saying they didn't do the opposite thing. They just didn't lock down all the way. Sure. Okay. So they had li- their much schools f- remained open. Further limited restrictions. Open. Sure. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, they were still like compared to their neighbors trying to social distance and yeah, but they did not lock down and shut everything down. Right. Sure. Sure. So now the I think it's there's more and more recognition that Within Sweden, the the people, the I think I can't remember the name of the guy now, but the person that was in charge of the response mainly, he is now saying, given what they know now, they probably should have approached it differently. And um, and so I think that's because there were there were a lot of people saying, hey, but what about Sweden? It looks like they're doing things in a way that's more sustainable and so on, but it. Um, now they're, I think, they're seeing other countries that did better, a far fewer deaths and people getting sick and pressure on the healthcare system. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's um, worth noting. Yeah. What else has happened? A, um, there continues to be pressure with the black lives matter movements i had a really good talk with my team about that about current events around that i think it's something that a lot of people have have been thinking about it's it's really it really is something like i still continue to feel what we talked about before which is that it feels like there's genuinely something big happening and it's going to lead to cha- real change. Mm-hmm. Conti- we continue to see examples of people changing and shifting views. And, and uh, yeah. It's I hope so. I feel a bit like the intense focus is starting to pass now. I mean, people are, yeah, moving on to other topics in the news, but. I think every you just see this flood of videos coming out in the news, right? Anyone who has a footage, video footage of a police officer in any way 
you know, using too much force, those videos are all coming out and they're going viral and you're seeing video after video after video after video of this happening. And um, it's making it very difficult for anyone to say there's not something wrong or that there doesn't, that there the, the way policing works we need to weed out people that mm -hmm. don't that act this you know that mm -hmm. that are somehow you know it's just far too easy i think for the people in charge to say oh yeah that was an appropriate use of force like without mm -hmm. like just it's too easy like they don't want those black marks on their records no one wants to s to see people getting kicked off the force things like that so they just say yep that looks and like they appropriate don't get kicked off the force like no that's what i'm saying things haven't changed yet there's people, there's increasingly, I think, people who are losing their positions. The thing that now is up, up for discussion, it, like some of these, the, some of the, in Canada especially, some of the RCMP officers are, are no longer serving. Oh, really? Yeah. Like from that like the attack one on that chief? I'm not sure about that one, but the one where the people were driving... The truck and hit oh, the guy. Right. That one, I think. I think those guys are no longer working. I'm not. I'm not positive. I don't remember mm -hmm. exactly. But I definitely am starting to see. Not just, it's under review. We can't comment on it. You know, mm -hmm. it's like no. This person is no longer working for us mm -hmm. because they were, their actions were inappropriate, and there's people bringing charges against them. What what's still in the U.S. now? It sounds like the immunity what's the term there's a term for it that means you can't essentially you can't sue a police officer there's okay. there's some something yeah. that's high level law that says th that police officers can't be sued for their actions no matter right. how bad they do right. whatever they do right they can be charged criminally but you can't take them to court mm -hmm. but so they're saying there needs to be, you know, there's a lot of people now pushing for this immunity thing is ridiculous. So you can be litigious. If, if you don't, yeah, like there should be, you shouldn't only lose your job. You, like, you, you sh should be liable for damages. Yeah, yeah, liable for damages. That's that's what they're, the, the next thing that I think some people are pushing for. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I have some... There's a piece I want to write mm -hmm. that I would need to do some research for. But, like, the... There's a lot of talk. So, like, defunding the police is... Re or just imagining how... Reimagining how policing is done and how communities mm -hmm. stay safe is is what the activists are asking for um and a lot of people just have trouble wrapping their heads around that and like how do we stay safe if we don't have as many police and how does this work and and i think that there is a parallel to be drawn here between healthcare and policing mm -hmm. and how like hospitals used to be much more paternalistic than mm -hmm. they are and doctors wouldn't necessarily be honest with patients and there were mm -hmm. 
um, unethical studies done, unethical tests done on patients, and it was kind of like doctors just weren't, doctors and hospitals weren't, didn't have enough oversight. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of the same thing of like doctors are saving your life. They're the ones that know what they're doing. Like you can't question them. Mm-hmm. But then there were reforms and now you can and now a lot of power has been transferred to patients and their families, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. There isn't a carte blanche there for the healthcare system to do whatever it wants, mm-hmm. even though that might be expedient. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right? And I think the same kind of thing needs to happen in policing or whatever comes out of this. Um it's like the people need more power. If policing is saying like we're keeping your community safe, but communities are saying we don't feel safe. You make us feel unsafe. Mm-hmm. There needs to be more more done about that, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. I just think at sick kids, like y- you go to like the patient family, whoever you raise a stink, like there are avenues. Mm-hmm. The system cares. Like even if you were mm-hmm. talking with a doctor or nurse or whoever who doesn't get it, yeah. get it, you can find <laughs> and someone you who feel does. like they don't care. Yeah. Y- the system cares, so you just have to keep going up, and someone does will care. care. Yeah. But I feel like in policing, it's like the opposite. You might be interacting with a police officer who is caring, yeah. and that's good. But if you're not, yeah. there's, there's no like, recourse. where do you go? Like, yeah. there, the system doesn't. Yeah. The system is, is always on the officer's side. Yeah. So it just, we need some of that transfer of power to the citizen. Yeah. And I, th- yeah, I, m- I think there are are parallels to be drawn there. The, and it seems like there's more and more examples. In Canada, we just had two examples, right? One, s- an older, I'm not sure what, I think he was Indian or maybe Pakistani, an older man <gasps> with mental health oh issues. Oh, yes. Fam- his family, he was saga. having a schizophrenic, he was, he was, you know, he was acting, I don't know how they described it, he was having an episode of some sort. Mm-hmm. And so the family called for the police to come to take him to the hospital, essentially. You know, like it, this is a similar story to one that happened before with a younger guy, but this is an older gentleman. And he, the response was, he ended up dead at the end of this. And it was, you know, the family was pleading with the police and the papers they talk about, they're pleading with the police to say, let us go and talk to him. Yeah. He doesn't understand what's happening and he's afraid of the uniforms. You're making Mm -hmm. it worse. Yeah. It just seems like that's so obvious. Like there's got to be, once you can tell that that's what's happening, like the officers or whoever's responding, maybe it shouldn't be officers. It should be someone else. For yeah. so that's what most people w- are arguing yes. right now. That I you feel sh- like even the police themselves m- should be on board with that. Want that probably? Yeah. Who wants the police responding to mental health issues? Yeah, and so you know, just because someone—I don't know what happened in this case—I think there was some. Maybe he picked up a knife or something, but y- you know, at that. <laughs> It's like it's so easy for it to escalate when you have mm-hmm. someone who's confused and mm-hmm. afraid and mm-hmm. like it's just 
feels like we're asking for these things to happen. Yeah. And uh, so mental. We it's are. Like there it's shouldn't be guns there at all. Yeah. There shouldn't have been guns there. Yeah. So it's like, what is the mental health? So we've talked about Black Lives Matter. We've talked about indigenous peoples. I feel like we're there's movements going there and the mental health what's the what's the it's all the people same. With it's all yeah. it all intersects they all intersect but there are specific you know i think there are really big problems with very specific I, th yeah, I think that's what this movement the, is catalyzing around black and indigenous people who are getting shot are also are have mental health have problems. the mental health like that's kind of the trigger that that's what starts things yeah <coughs> but i f yeah i feel like in the police reform movement if this is the start of it i feel like transferring mental health response out of the police responsibilities should be like the low-hanging fruit yes that everyone can kind of yeah agree on yeah Okay, well, I think we should finish up for tonight. Everyone being the two of us on this couch has a say. <laughs> yes, we can all agree. We can all both of us agree. Yes, we should finish up. Right. Oh, I don't I don't have a joke. Oh. I'm so bad at this now. Sorry, guys. Yeah, no joke. Okay. Good night. Good night. <laughs>